we can't be blind to it, right? That there are indeed behavioral implications. In fact, uh, we're saying that they ha- they should have a-, a seat at the table alongside academic scores reported. Hi, and welcome to season three, episode six of the Exploring the Core podcast. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with Professor Laura Link about her most recent publication on the effectiveness of standards-based grading and assessment in K-12 schools. Thanks for listening. Today's topic is on standards-based grading, specifically the core elements of an effective standards-based grading approach. The elements in question are from a recent 2022 publication aptly titled, Is Standards-Based Grading Effective? And I was fortunate enough to speak with the lead author of this study, Dr. Laura Link. Dr. Link is an assistant professor of teaching and leadership and the director of the Master of Science in Teaching and Leadership programs at the University of North Dakota. She also co-founded and runs the consulting group Grading Rx, which is fitting since she has spent the past several decades as an active leader in K-12 and higher education settings. So it comes as no surprise just how excited I was to talk with Laura and clarify what elements of standards-based grading can really make a difference in schools and districts today. Hi, Laura. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to speak with you today, especially about your work researching and publishing on the topic of grading and assessment in K-12 schools. Craig, so good to be with you, and thank you for this opportunity. Anytime I can talk about classroom assessment and grading, I am there. So uh, again, thanks for having this platform uh, to bring the conversation forward. And uh, as you can kind of see uh, from my background, I am in beautiful North Dakota, specifically the University of North Dakota, ranked number four in college hockey. Uh, and number five best college town in the United States. So North Dakota definitely has it going on regionally um, as well as locally. And it is it is just simply gorgeous outside. Sunny in the 60s, soon to change, but just delighted to be uh, bringing you and others to the state of North Dakota. Well, I'm excited, and I'm sure the listeners are as well, to hear about what's going on up there at the University of North Dakota particularly with regards to the work you're doing to promote standards-based grading, assessment, and reporting, especially since you are the director of the graduate program there and doing some pretty amazing things to help improve the state of education today. So do you mind speaking briefly about what you actually have going on in that regard? Yeah, uh, well, University of North Dakota in particular redesigned our master's uh, level programming. So I am the director of our master's in teaching and leadership. So it's not separate leadership on one side and curriculum instruction on the other. It is a uh, more uh, cogent, if you will, approach to uh, teaching and learning at the master's level. Uh, We do have a PhD EBD program as well as undergrad, but we're starting there. We're starting from the center out. And what we did in this redesign is bring up uh, the entire continuum in our core classes. So we uh, rely on a lot of the core principles of Ben Bloom's Learning for Mastery, uh, Tom Guskey's Implementing Mastery Learning, uh, as well as, you know, just a, a lot of standards based 
practices. And while I realize today the topic is standards-based grading, uh, we don't always uh, leap to standards-based grading as the, uh, the, the most reliable or the most even recommended grading and reporting system uh, right away. So I did want to uh, bring that to the surface is that we this is not the panacea. It is a fantastic means to uh, more precisely communicate, but uh, we explore a range of grading and reporting systems in this new uh, core set of classes. So uh, there, besides curriculum instruction, assessment, and grading, we also offer uh, a core class on peer coaching. How to then, once you have this core knowledge, how do you coach adults? Because we have folks that are uh, in director roles, you know, aspiring principal roles that will need to uh, build the context uh, for which this work moves. So uh, those classes, as well as a action research project on mastery learning uh, comprises our core. Uh, and then folks could choose from a set of specializations. You can specialize in being a principal, but you would still have this core base. You can specialize in being uh, a STEM educator, but you still have this core base. Additionally, you can get a standalone certificate in mastery learning starting this fall of 2023 uh, through the University of North Dakota. And I am so happy to hear that you are at the University of North Dakota doing the work that you're doing, offering the graduate programs that you're offering, and still making the effort to help schools and districts improve their grading practices. And that's exactly why I want to jump right in and talk to you about this article, of which you are the lead author. But not only that, you're also an experienced teacher and administrator from the past few decades. And having spent the past several years as a researcher in education, it's your experience and expertise that has me curious about what led you to conduct this research study on what it is that makes standards-based grading effective. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, just to, to clarify, you know, we have, and I, I invite you to look at the 2006 Ricard's article that was a century worth of review, uh, where we are with regard to what we know about grading. And it really, it was from that article. And then there was a subsequent uh, book in which I've got a chapter on leadership, uh, what we know about grading, that was co-edited by uh, Dr. Gusky and Dr. Brookhart. That really serves as a lot of the foundational understanding to the shape of this article. So I want you to know that uh, while the article is certainly original, uh, a lot of these ideas come from just a historical review of where we are and, and what is working. And it really was Welsh in 2019 that brought this forward to the scholarly community, these really three principles. So we took these three principles and really centered them as the kind of the defining criteria uh, for anybody interested in working and leading standards-based grading so we can come to more of a consensus. So there isn't this kind of Wild West approach and people are abandoning because they're just certainly uh, no real clarity about what standards-based grading really is, means, and, uh, and, and so there. And it's this need for clarity of standards-based grading that really gets at what this paper, I think, communicates to educators who want to do standards-based grading and aren't quite sure where to start. And so I want to jump into this first principle that you write about, where teachers need to stop reporting single content area grades and report student performance 
based on key grade level or course standards. And would you mind speaking to this first principle and what you found to support it as one of these three guiding principles for effective standards-based grading? Yeah, so instead of the single grade that we typically report, which is you know an arrangement of uh, teacher-chosen pieces of evidence, right? You have to start with uh, clear performance descriptors. So we make sure that the, the learning goal is held real steady, right? So there's a clear target in which teachers can articulate the learning, students can understand the learning, parents understand the direction, tutors can support based on uh, that clear target. So really step one is illuminate the targets and keep them steady. And typically these goals are uh, by way of standard, right? Content area standards or grade level standards um, for a particular uh, you know, class. So, so one is you've got to know them and you've got to use them and they have to be the targets, not some kind of nebulous collection of evidence that every teacher gets to decide. One critique that I've heard in my experience working with teachers on standards-based grading is that having one score makes it easy to communicate to parents how a student's doing in a particular topic and that expecting them to report every single standard, and I mean, there are dozens of standards for a subject, to report every single standard and present it to a parent is just way too much work for the teacher, but also way too much to give to a parent and expect them to know what to do with all of that. So what, what, have, what has been your response to that kind of critique? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the recommendation would be that you actually are reporting on strands, not individual uh, standards. Individual standards are for teachers in the gradebook. The goal of any grading and reporting system is clarity, right? Is to communicate students' uh, performance. We know the intended audience is students and parents. And to clearly communicate students' learning progress to them, it has to be interpretable for them to understand, right? So uh, if if we are offering this, uh, this, this blanket of information by way of listing all individual standards on a report card, we've, that has going to have a, a counter effect to our desired uh, communica communication goal uh, with, our, with our updated tool. So, so no, it is uh, standards-based grading uh, shouldn't necessarily be reporting to our audience on every single standard on a report card or a progress report um, that could be used perhaps more formatively uh, or, or recorded in the gradebook, but ultimately reported out by strands. Three to five categories per class is the recommended, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of amount of itemized information to share with students and parents on a report card. Now that is the second principle for effective implementation of standards-based grading in your study. And it's all about how student achievement must be communicated using a limited number of performance categories, usually between three and five, and that they must include descriptive words and statements about student progress toward whatever specific learning targets being assessed. So, for teachers who are on the fence right now about what we're talking about, shifting from percentage scoring, what research or evidence did your study find that supports this idea of using a limited number of performance categories as a core principle for effectively implementing standards-based grading? 
if we want to increase reliability uh, and increase accuracy, we can't keep pretending that having 100 points on our scale brings us uh, to a place of precision, because it doesn't, right? It actually uh, brings in more subjectivity. We actually lose accuracy and we lose reliability as we are attending to 101 rather than three or four options. So there's a lot more room for error uh, if you have uh, 101 versus, you know, three to five points in which to uh, make that discernment. And we also know, uh, you know, mathematically, if there is there's such an imbalance, even though we have 10 point increments, we're only really concerned about the, the, the top third of those increments, you know, 70% uh, of the scale, typically 60% of the scale uh, reports uh, failure. And even in that failure, we're unsure of, you know, what issues that we can work to improve. And uh, oftentimes we don't do the most important step, which is using assessments as a part of the instructional process and not just an end state uh, and move on. So there is certainly a handshake with assessment, um, but these should be seen as separate efforts. And I think I've, I think I've clouded a few things. We were just talking about working on uh, categories. Um, I think that actually lends perfectly to the third core principle in your study, I think you blended right into it. And I, it's really important that we mention that these three principles, while distinct, they are interdependent. And I, I think that's that's being communicated in how you're talking about the research you did to publish this study, uh, because the third principle for effective implementation of standards-based grading, it's a big one. It's all about how academic achievement, if I may, <laughs> from what I've read, yeah. It's all about how academic achievement grades are reported separately from yeah. information related to behaviors, behavioral factors like effort and homework completion and, you know, showing up on time, signing the syllabus you mentioned earlier. And yeah. and you actually write about this principle in, a, in, in several articles in the past. Uh, yeah. In 2018, you wrote in the Assessment and Education Journal, exploring the factors teachers yeah. consider in determining students' grades. I read that and you say in that in that paper this uh, how the study verifies that in addition to using evidence of students learning to determine grades which is fine teachers across all grade levels also use evidence based on non-cognitive factors typically related to students behavior yeah this is true so uh just to go through the criterion again so one is you know just precisely understand what the learning targets are you know what the standards are and hold those steady uh, then decide uh, on a more reliable scale with less error, which would be uh, a category uh, that would either have three to five points of measurement. And then the last thing is indeed is like disentangling uh, what are the supercard has called hodgepodge or multi-factor grades into a multiple grade reporting. And this is recommended really as an, a preliminary step, if you will, before any school or district would shift to standards-based grading. Um, uh, you know, as a kind of a phased in approach uh, to, uh, you know, maybe a full narrative report that might be uh, more, uh, you know, aligned to a standards-based grade report. But 
When it comes to uh, this kind of multiple grades approach, indeed, just as you said, it, it calls for, again, if clarity and communication is the goal, then we can't deliver this kind of mixed ball of some kind of amalgamated effort uh, that is individualized by teacher. We have to just be really clear about uh, how our students are doing uh, in their content area. So that would be our academic grade. Uh, so that there's tutoring efforts, decisions about academics can indeed still be made, but in a more precise way. But we also know that there are, and we can't be, we can't be blind to it, right? That there are learning enablers to those academic uh, you know, uh, outcomes, right? There, there is work ethic, there is participation, there is a completion of homework for practice, right? Not necessarily a grade. Uh, there are indeed behavioral implications uh, we know to be true. So we're not, we're not taking a blind eye to those. In fact, uh, they we're saying that they, they should have a seat at the table alongside, side by side with academic uh, scores reported. Uh, but they, it can't be everything, right? So as a, a school district or school, we do invite educators to prioritize about three or four of those. And we've been able to do that uh, most often uh, with uh, schools around the nation. And uh, they come up with uh, what they feel in their context is prioritize learning enablers. Uh, and we build rubrics around them so that uh, as individual teachers are working to score students against them, they are also very clear on uh, what it means to be responsible in the classroom, what it means to have uh, work ethic in the classroom, or what it means to be, uh, you know, an excellent participator as a student. So uh, three to five categories uh, alongside helps with uh, all kinds of things. It helps uh, not only students know more clearly, you know, uh, how they are performing in the content, but are there other factors uh, that either support or detract uh, from their academic outcomes? So it is about using grading as a communication tool with non-cognitive factors, with all of these dimensions side by side, now what do we do, right? So what do we, what do, we do with that? And that's where the assessment piece uh, typically comes in. In the study, you write the standards-based grading is not necessarily about assessment practices and policies per se, but that's that right. poorly designed assessments can make it impossible for schools to adopt a standards-based grading approach. So could you speak just a, a minute about this distinction between grading and assessment and why it's important for teachers and parents to reflect on these two ideas as separate constructs? Yeah, for sure. So the quality of those grades depends on the quality of evidence you are drawing from to communicate those, right? So assessments measure student performance. Grades communicate evaluations of those results, right? So it's the assessment that is the evaluation measure and all the gradings do is say, okay, evaluation measure, where did we land, right? So, so assessments really prove valuable in the reliability of what we report. Now we take it a step further. Uh, you get proponents that will say, you know, uh, we just need to give retakes. 
But even those retake themselves, you know, are kind of a, a futile, frustrating effort. Nobody really understands why students are just retaking, retaking, retaking. And there's a sector of the community that sees that as not responsible, not learning when deadlines are due, et cetera. Uh, and uh, if I give you another opportunity, that's great, but there has to be some kind of, again, uh, res educator responsibility, which is my assessment, my first assessment that I've given you may have had some fragility to it, some imperfections in the content transfer, the format transfer, and even the level of difficulty. I take some responsibility in that so that I will, when I get the first assessment results, I will actually use them for action myself. If you notice, there's a lot of um, lot of intentional uh, quality work on the educator's part in the assessment space so that by the time we get to the reporting space of grades, we can feel real confident then that we have done uh, our the work that we've signed on to, right? That we said, when I sign my contract, that I'm going to take kids that don't know I'm going to be the treatment between their not knowing and knowing. And a lot of times we advocate, we, you know, we, we, we say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to offer you a treatment. I'm not sure if that treatment is going to work and I'm not really going to be responsible for it working or not. So what would you say about a teacher who, if offered an opportunity to improve their awareness of sound assessment design, that yeah. that would improve a school's approach to implementing standards-based grading? Well, I would invite folks to have a better understanding of, of what Ben Bloom originally conceived as uh, mastery learning. You know, and Tom has a, a new edition of implementing mastery learning that came out. Uh, so take a peek at that because what Bloom did was say assessments should be a part of the instructional process, not separate from. They should be one in the same. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and you can get a you can get a graduate certificate in mastery learning starting in the fall of 2023 at the University of North Dakota that will teach this very thing because we don't teach this we don't teach uh, this really critical part of having effective uh, grades reported right we, we have to teach uh, instruction and assessment side by side and uh, what we do what we're supposed to do with assessments because assessments alone assessments innumerable aren't going to approve uh, student learning either, right? It's how we thoughtfully uh, design assessments and think about that alignment to instruction by way of content format and level of difficulty. Uh, that also means that those that are in the field will have to shift a little bit uh, the way we approach each unit or lesson. Uh, and I think that can be, that can be difficult to, to make that shift, but what we can do uh, is start with our newcomers that are sitting, pre-service teachers in undergrad, or those that are exploring at a graduate level on how to employ uh, coherence in the teaching and learning space, so that it isn't about necessarily standards-based grading. It's about just clarity in, in the entire continuum, so that whatever grading system we choose to employ, we, we have more confidence in its reliability. And Laura, if anybody wants to learn more about what it is you have to offer, where can people reach you? Uh, if they want to uh, reach me by way of gradingrx.com, they certainly can there, and they can see kind of all the, the tools and services that are offered. 
if they would like to reach me here at the University of North Dakota, uh, if I'm not in a classroom or advising doc students, I am laura.link at und.edu. You can just literally Google uh, University of North Dakota Laura Link and you'll get my uh, profile come up under the directory or on Twitter at Laura J. Link. If you want to reach out in the social media space, you can do that too. Um, I am first and foremost an educator, right? So I am a professor. Uh, I am, I consult, but I am not a consultant, if that makes sense. So uh, I just know uh, we, we, we are thoughtful, smart uh, folks in the educator space from pre-K to 16, and we can do this better for students and each other. Um, we just have to start uh, training and preparing our future educators to do this work. I 100% agree. We, we can do things better. Uh, the education system of 100 years ago, you know, it's, it's, it's already seen changes for the better, and uh, we do have a ways to go. So I'm, I'm glad that you're there at University of North Dakota helping educators see that there are better ways to do things and, uh, and to come to grips with, with the changes they have to make about how they went through the education system that they went through. And, um, and I just have to thank you again for being here. I really enjoy talking to you. This has been very insightful. Yeah, thank you so much, Greg, for the opportunity. Always a pleasure. Um, on behalf of teacher and student well-being, uh, always happy to work on improving classroom assessment and grading with you and anyone else that would like to uh, join this effort with me.